but no, um, I, I don't really have a, an introduction. I just sort of come in talking like an idiot, uh, sitting here with my hood up, you know, just a guy just sitting here. And, um, you know, we're all just people here having a good time. But myself, the great Harry Barnett, joined by Matt and Ed of Suspicious Behaviour Productions. And um, we've been trying to work work something out to do this for quite some time. And it's, it's good to finally have both of you here. How are you both doing? Great. Thank you. Uh, now, it's quite interesting because, um, you know, I was just sat one day uh, thinking, all right, I'm going to throw some videos out. Uh, one of these uh, one of these people that's just a casual YouTube guy, you know, I'll, I'll put a video here and there out, put my podcast out, and then I'll just take a nap. Maybe I'll have an ice cream. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big drinker, but nice. I'm a big sugar guy, so maybe I'll just sit back and, yeah, an ice cream maybe anything with sugar and and then i i see a message and uh, you guys actually contact me contacted me can't even give the words now i call that brain damage uh, <clears throat> you guys contacted me to um check out your uh, comic book and i did a little bit of research you know i like to see who i'm involved with and i had no idea that you guys have actually uh, been around for a little bit you know you've done some things not just comic books, games, movies, and well, I've never been so interested as to sit here and actually listen to someone tell me what they've done because, uh, yeah, you guys have really done quite a bit. Yeah, um, the comic book miniseries, so Invasion for Planet Wrestletopia is yeah. the miniseries that Matt and I uh, created and that we write. And then we have you know, a great team of artists, obviously, to draw it because um, that's Kendall Good and it's um, Sal Cipriano on letters and Geo Butler on colors. And uh, it is our first, yeah, our first comic book um, because Matt and I are primarily our day job is writing for video games and we've done that since the early 2000s I think and have done some other things but primarily it's been uh, games is uh, writing for games is, is our day job and um, this comic book is the first time though we're kind of striking out on our own uh, to put something out there in the world see that's actually um, what raised a really important question for me beforehand this was probably the one that was sitting on my head the most uh, when I saw about the comic book uh, the um, video game stuff was like why a comic book because you know if you guys have had that um expertise uh with the video game world why why go to comic books and not stick with the video games uh I, you know for us uh both of us you know so we've we've worked in an office environment we've actually worked on the developer side but both of us right now are independent contractors working for a variety of clients and look, both of us love our jobs. It's one of the best jobs in the world. I absolutely love what I do every day. But it, you know, like we are really sort of working to foster someone else's vision. You know, they have a concept for a game and we try to help them create the best version of that game. Whereas, you know, this is something that Ed and I have almost total creative control over. Um, and we don't have to rely on sort of, we self-funded, so we didn't have to rely on outside funding. And um, that sort of creative freedom has been incredibly liberating for both of us. Um, 
and I guess this is, this is really the first thing that we've done and released to the public where they kind of get to see our creative brain sort of unfiltered. Yeah, and I, I just think, I mean, with comic books, I mean, comic books are great, right? But it's also, um, it's still a visual medium and which which we love you know because we writing for games is what we do it's a visual medium but with comic books it's linear and uh, i don't make i don't mean to make it sound like you know writing a comic book is easy or by by any means or, or but it's like just telling a linear story is a, a really refreshing change of pace than than working on a, on a video game which you know can be a, a lot more complex because of player input and branching narratives and those kinds of things and then, and then, of course, you know, comic book is, it's a lot more accessible, you know, if you're a creator. Um, you know, even, uh, we, we love this idea, this story, we, we just really loved, really wanted to put out into the world. Comic books, obviously, is still this visual medium where you can, you can do that and it, it doesn't cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> to, to an, like, over an animated show or something like that. And, and that's the other thing when it comes down to money as well. I mean, uh, just about anyone can pick up a comic book for, you know, yeah. a couple of dollars, a couple of pounds over here. Whereas, you know, with a video game, it's um, uh, about 10 times that. Yeah, I know. I, I buy them all the time uh, for my kids. I don't know what to but, uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, they're great. Uh, you know, it, 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 they're sort of our, uh, video games are sort of our first love. Um, outside of wrestling, yeah. um, it it just um, you know as Matt said, it's just it's just so they're very complex and they take like it's also it's you know we like Matt said we we fund the comic and we have this really talented crew of artists, but that's um, between between us the artist the letterer the colorist and then the designers that put it together. You're talking five people instead of. You know, fifty-five. <laughs> that are working on a game yeah, for Agents just... of Mayhem, which I worked on, which had I think one hundred fifty to one hundred eighty people. So there's a lot of stakeholders there that are sort of involved in the process. Where as we've whittled down to just an essential few here on this project. So uh, the the way I'm seeing it is that the difference between the creative process here is uh, you, you're going from the video game world where you're saying you've got all of these masters to answer to. So that that's the the WWE creative who have all of these the, yeah all yeah. of these people, and then you know you you've got this um, somewhere else. What, I don't want to say indie show because that almost looks down on you, but it's like, like um, the, it's like we went to the AEW. Right. AEW, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got that smaller group of, of uh, chiefs. Tony Khan. Uh, I don't know who else we'd have to answer to at the AEW. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically you, you're closing closing ranks, and you know you yeah. have a lot more power, and um, you, know, you can you can do your own thing, and uh, that, that's admirable because I, I like to think of myself as uh, Cody Rhodes and Matt as uh, Bad Boy Joey Janela. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's... if I get any hate mail, I'll, I'll not send it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, we're all wrestling fans. That's kind of we all um, we're, we're all in that little interest. Whether whether you're one of these modern fans that loves to hate things, or you know, my case, an attitude era guy. Uh, and from right. what I'm guessing from obviously the comic book, you guys are '80s guys. Um, yeah. I mean, well, 
I'm a little older than Matt. It's, it's interesting because I, I I started watching it in like the late '70s, early '80s. Okay. And the, and the, but Matt, so Matt came you know came along a little later because yeah. he's or, and he's I think a little bit more like you, or he, he was really into the Attitude Era, whereas I, I largely missed all that. You know, I, I kind of stopped watching wrestling. Yeah, because we all have that phase where we just go go away, you know. Whether <laughs> whether you're you're sort of out there, you know, it's still out there, but you know, you just you lose your love for it, even if it's still in your life. I I know that feeling. I don't badmouth the current product at all. My my fandom is not as rabid as it used to be because you know when I was a, a really small child, it was you know the rock and wrestling era. And then I sort of started to come of age during uh, the, the new generation uh, WWF, which is not really fondly looked back on. And then when I was in high school, it was the Attitude Era. And man, Monday nights were exciting back then. Oh, they were. They were. I mean, yeah. I, I was still very young. I didn't really, um, I didn't really pick up on it until sort of the late '90s, sort of early 2000s. But no, that that was a. Uh, an era that cannot be uh, forgotten for sure. But um, I mean, we've all got our own little fond era to hold on to. But um, what in particular sort of um, made you sort of think, all right, I want to take sci-fi and wrestling, not, not just say focus on one particular aspect on its own? Right. Uh, I think it was the basic idea, you know, Matt and I, we, we we're in between jobs, right? We've been laid off at this game studio and started just writing things together. And we're having a lot of fun. We did a, we did a lot of different um, screenplays and actually WrestleTopia uh, was one of them. Um, and it was just this basic idea of, you know, what if there's this planet, you know, WrestleTopia, what if there's this planet of aliens that, you know, wrestling is real. It's their whole way of life. Everything's decided, you know, in the wrestling ring. Like Twitter. And, oh, sorry, what's that? Uh, like Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's say we invented Twitter, uh, and uh, but so and then it was you know from there it just kind of we, it kind of went on to well how would this planet of aliens invade Earth and I think that's how we stumbled upon well what, there had to be like a wrestler that would cut a promo that would piss them off and the TV signal would go out in space right so it kind of went from there but I, I think it was it was we were both realized pretty quickly after meeting that we both had a real love for the wrestling of our youths, even if it was slightly different, you know, eras. And um, it is, the comic book is kind of a love letter to the wrestling of our youths, you know. Yeah, if you look at specifically, you know, we started in 1984, which is maybe a little more Ed's era, and then we flash forward to 1999, which is a little more my era. So we sort of specifically paid homage to those two periods in wrestling history. Now, I know you, you've tested the water with, uh, obviously, you're speaking to me, you've spoken to various other um, uh, people to review, but have you actually gone as far as speaking to anyone in the wrestling business as far as reviewing it? Uh, we haven't. So it's funny. We got the comic, comic to a handful of wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jerry Lawler thought it was cool. He gave us a nice retweet one time. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, it was interesting. I was I was at a, a small comic book convention here in the States a short while ago, and I just noticed that um, 
while comic book fans would would react well to our concept, you know, um, you know, professional wrestler, disgruntled professional wrestler, um, declares himself galactic champion of the universe, and a planet of alien wrestlers views it as an act of war and invades the planet. So comic book fans would like it, and some and and sometimes you know they'd buy the comic, but wrestling fans would just it was just. It, it, I, you know, it was no brainer. Like I could barely get halfway through the, the, the sort of the summary, and they're they're throwing their money on the table. So uh, I, I was telling Matt that maybe we'll go when we get to the sixth issue and we do the, the compendium of, of the whole story arc. Maybe we'll do some wrestling conventions or <laughs> try to get you know Sid Vicious to uh, appear at our booth for us or something. <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, there's a fair few of them out there now. It's not just, obviously not just WrestleCon and, and uh, a few of the others. There's you know you look around and there's a wrestling convention now. It's it's really become um, it, it's almost as common as Comic Con now. I would just love I just love meeting wrestlers. I haven't been able to do it that much, but I have. A picture of me and King Kong Bundy, and uh, somewhere I have a picture of myself with Ted DiBiase. You know, and it's just—it's a huge thrill to meet the guys you watched on television. You know, um, so I, yeah, I, I would. Um, but anyway, our, our interactions with with wrestling fans have been great. Um, and one thing we keep hearing from review from critics, both comic book critics and even just wrestling, you know, podcasters and things, is that. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, you're probably going to really enjoy this. But even if you're not a wrestling fan, it's a um, people really respond to the story and, and think it's funny and cool. And, um, the response has been really gratifying for both sort of camps, I guess. Oh. All right. Well, um, let's be character-wise. Like uh, when it comes to actually picking out characters to go into this, you know, you, you're obviously writers. Um, you, you're taking inspiration from something to, to really come up with a character what when it came to the characters for these was was it primarily okay I, these guys were my, uh, were my favorite wrestlers when i was younger i'm just gonna sort of take a little bit of a twist off of them uh, or, or did you have some other sort of inspiration uh they're really sort of amalgams of yeah. wrestlers that sort of we loved growing up or sort of have since rediscovered um, you know, Roy himself, like our, our chief sort of, the, the chief wrestler we sort of sought, you know, we, we looked for inspiration from was superstar Billy Graham, yeah. who I didn't really know, you know, he's a little before my time, but I kind of subsequently, yeah, I subsequently rediscovered him through the DVD that the WWE put out and I, and then both of us read his autobiography, yeah. but what was, what was compelling about him was that he was he was very much before his time. His heyday was in the late 70s, and that sort of charming heel gimmick uh, that he pioneered, just, you know, the, the wrestling world wasn't quite ready for that. And, and of course, uh, Hogan and Ventura kind of stole a lot of his catchphrases and a lot of aspects on this gimmick, and Hogan in particular sort of cleaned it up for the kiddies and ran away with it. But there, there was something really compelling at the, about the guy who sort of pioneered something and then, you know, was sort of left behind by the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in Superstar's case, he had his own personal demons. There was a lot of steroid abuse and other things. And in Roy's case, you know, it's substance abuse, but it's also just sheer egoism that, you know, brings him down and his career down. 
And then, but you know, you look at that character, there's there's aspects of like Jake Roberts in there, uh, Ric Flair. There, there's, you know, while you heard, start, you, so go ahead. I was just saying, we've heard Randy Savage. Uh, yeah. and, and of course Hogan, you know, when, they, when they're choosing a voice in their head to, to, for Rory, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, when, when obviously you, you first sent me the information before I'd actually even read anything, um, it, the, the first thing I had in my head was um, uh, Marvel's obviously got the, um, uh, the scroll, the scroll invasion, and I immediately thought if that was Jim Cornette, if Jim Cornette was an alien from another planet. But I kind of still think that in real life, as if, as if someone's just, you know, you guys have just put on to paper something that's actually happening in real life, because sometimes I think Jim's not from this world. <laughs> Um, that might be the next story arc is, is how Wrestletopians have been living among us for a long time, you know, uh, you know, succeeding in, in, in various promotions, you know, and, as, as outcasts from Wrestletopia. Well, it's I mean, possible. That, that's, that's the other thing as well. I apologize for cutting you off there, but um, when it comes to taking influence, did, do you look at any of the like um, anything outside of wrestling and sci-fi really at a Marvel and DC and say, Hey, that that's really good. Like, I, I only use Marvel and DC as, an, uh, as yeah. an example because that's really all I know. But like, you you've got tons of, of great stories out there. We can say, hey, that's great. But if I just tweak it a little bit, twist it a little bit, and then it can be mine. But then you know, it has those fingerprints of being an adaptation, but still, you've made it your own. Is is, is there anything you see like that? Uh, I so. I grew up reading comics, but I largely abandoned them, you know, for a really long time. And, and I would just, you know, every once in a while, pick up a graphic novel or, or like uh, an indie title, like. Um, but I was really kind of divorced from comics. And then when we started doing this, I think I didn't want to be too influenced by by anything. Um, we, you know, of course, picked up some books uh, about writing for comics and I, and I was all so I live in Portland Oregon in the states where there's a lot of comic book talent and I was able to sit down with a professional or two and talk about the process but um, I think when we started I, for my part I was really about um, like let's just do what we want let's not care that much about you know what's uh, expected or what's the standard or what's what we should be what we should do you know, we, we want to get some base. We want to get the basics right, but other than that, let's just do whatever we want. And if we make mistakes, oh well, there are mistakes, and um, and 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 that's been that's been really great. So I, I don't think we can. I don't think you know, for me, I haven't been influenced too much by what's going on in comics right now. I, I, we're not breaking any new ground you know, with, with WrestleTopia. It's you know pretty simply uh, done, but um, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, stress too much about the, the correct way of doing things or whatever. And um, and I will say now, since we started this, um, I have kind of jumped back into comics and have been reading a lot. And I have a pull list, and I am enjoying comics again. I'm really enjoying getting reacquainted with the comics, comic book world. And uh, but I still feel like even just moving forward, I want to learn from what we done and do better but i don't want to care too much about you know the, the 
the Marvel way or the DC way. Or yeah, yeah. And, and it, when we actually wrote the original screenplay, we were watching stuff like Independence Day and Mars Attacks. Yeah. Um, those were sort of like more of our references for, okay, like how traditionally have been alien, have alien invasions been sort of portrayed. And uh, I don't know if I'd say either of those movies had like a really, really strong influence on us. Independence Day, um, at least in my opinion, doesn't really hold up. (laughs) I remember enjoying it as a kid and watching it, reviewing it again. I was like, okay, you know, it's a product of its time. Um, And, you know, and Mars Attacks definitely, I think, tonally is more similar to what we were trying to do. But it's hard for me to say it was like a very explicit influence for sort of how we were unrolling the invasion and how we were sort of telling our our story. It it was just basically what you're saying is it was just what you like and you think, okay, that's a sort of guideline for what what you particularly want. Yeah. And... um, when it comes to actually uh, looking beyond what you've done now, I mean, uh, let's look beyond the comic book. Let's say um, five, ten years down the line, this has been a success. Do you <laughs> do you see sort of branching out? Like, uh, would, would you want to take this property and, and make something else of it? Like, you know, um, movie, animation, game. Um, we will pimp this out to anybody, anybody. <laughs> no. anyone um, with 15 bucks <laughs> you can have it we uh, are so we did we did we started self-publishing but then we did sign with our publisher Starburns Industries Press which I mentioned and, and they've been great they make a lot of other really cool comic books you can find on Comixology uh, Griffin um, Long Ago and Far Away Oddwell Felicious uh, they're they like they want to do you know their philosophies and titles that are funny, sad, strange, and beautiful. And I think they do that very well. It's a unique uh, set of books. Um, and and what we hope is, you know, they're, the, this, they're owned by the production company that, that's behind Rick and Morty and, and all these other things. So they have strong Hollywood connections. Um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, if it, you know, someone wants to make an animated show, movie you know great uh, of course we're we're all we're all, all for it um there's nothing so far that all that's been discussed or on the table you know it's it's we're still uh, we are gonna you know we have the fifth issue finished and then like i said the sixth issue completes the story arc yeah and that'll i think be spring uh and then that will be a that will be a time when people can see the whole story and and I, you know, we'll see. I, I think it would make a great animated show, or or, uh, or you know, a great uh, long form mini series. You know, get get The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin to, to start throwing each other around on the movie set. See what happens. Uh, it sounds like you have great aspirations uh, for, for this thing. And, you know, all, all someone's got to do if, if they've got yeah. great Hollywood connections, just that stretch with the script in hand. Yeah. There you go, drop. <laughs> oh, what's that? Is that script? Oh. Yeah, we have, yeah, we, we have no shame. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> well, what's interesting about Starburns is it's sort of part of their philosophy as an imprint, is they sort of see what the stuff they publish. Uh, they see this as kind of like a test lab and the stuff that they're publishing they're also interested in 
perhaps adapting to other media. So um, anything that they have agreed to publish, they think has potential to be sort of uh, cross-platform. Um, you know, we'll see. I'm not like we we published this really just for sheer love of it. Yeah. Um, we just wanted to get it out there. Really, you know, when we you've written as many spec screenplays as we as we have, it's really frustrating because they just kind of gather dust on your hard drive, and there's really no physical product that you can show for all of your months of labor. And for us, of course, we would like it to be a raging success. And of course, we would like to maybe see it adapted, you know, as a TV show or a movie. Um, but just the fact that like, we have like a collected trade paperback that'll be in bookstores and comic stores, that's, you know, that's exciting enough for us. So, so really, you, you're just sort of... Um... You, you sit there day to day. You're not really um, looking at the long term. You're just trying to enjoy yourselves, basically. Yeah, I mean the the long term is yeah, like that said, it's just this satisfaction of having done this and put it out into the world. And now the whole story is out there, and it's very easy for anyone to pick up and read. Um, yeah. Whereas with a screenplay, or I think even like a self-published novel. Um, no one wants to read like your parents don't even want to play right um, so there's there's a, a lot of satisfaction there it's a little scary because i mean financially it's a pretty significant investment you know and, and so a big part of me is just like if we could just somehow make our money back that we put into it and then and then we could make more comic books you know if we could make more comic books would be great um but uh, we're very lucky. I mean, our wives work, and we have a, a day job that we love, and so we're not, you know, we're not spending the mortgage money on this. And we're we're pretty pretty blessed uh, to be able to do it at all, and, and to hire professional artists like Kendall Good and Gio Butler and Sal Cipriano. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Two minutes. Well, I know uh, as far as. Um... As far as branching out, one one thing I have in mind is I know someone with a 3D printer who, uh, if your artist happened to uh, send something to him, he would love to be able to actually have your characters printed out. Oh, really? <laughs> sent your way. Yeah, he, he would show you, but his camera is a little bit tied up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we should we should talk, you know. Maybe maybe we can get some some uh, toy prototypes uh, out there or something. I, yeah, I've always thought, like ever since we did issue one, that um, to borrow a grotesque phrase from the movie industry, that the series is very toyetic. <laughs> just, just, well, just, just, just because you know, if you look at the history of wrestling, that, that you know, anytime a new, a new, like a new hot wrestler debuted, they had a toy out of that wrestler within three to six months, and yeah. we're doing. <laughs> oh, there's a dusty. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I um, not to really put the uh, spotlight on me, but I went as far as trying to do an action figure quite recently, and. Uh, <laughs> Hey, it got it goes somewhere, but I haven't finished him yet. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little out of my grasp because I'm wearing these headphones. But Ed, for my birthday this year, he got me the uh, Randy Savage Slim Jim Special Edition action figure. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's funny you ask about other media. Um, I think that you know. You, Hopefully, hopefully this will become an animated 
show somewhere. But I, I you know, Matt and I, having worked in video games for so long, it would be really, really cool, I think, if, if there were a video game based off WrestleTopia, and then Matt and I were to write it. And then I, I would love to, you know, for me, I would love to, we've worked on so many games where, where based off of uh, movies or television shows, we were just kind of rehashing the same the story that was, yeah. and for me, I would love to just make, you know, a whole other story in this world that's canon, you know, that's absolutely canon. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think Matt and I could do a great, great job on, on the video games when we have a lot of experience and wrestling video games are fun. That's the uh, beautiful thing about adaptation as well, is, you know, you don't have to take the the direct thing and and make it as it was. You can say, all right, you know, that was that worked great the first time. But, you know, I want to take it this little bit of a different direction now. And, you know, you you have all kinds of different X factors that can just make it so much uh, a bit more of a boom than it really had to begin with, but still staying true to what it was. Yeah, uh, the South Park creators do a pretty good job of that. Uh, oh yeah, and they, you know, they, they're pretty heavily involved in their games, as opposed to other IP stakeholders for which uh, the game is just like another piece of merchandise, you know, like a toy or something. And, uh, and so that's the difference, I think. I mean, that, that is a really great example as well, because um, I, I was really a big fan of the, um, the, the two recent South Park games, um, which really do feel as if you're playing the actual TV show, but also has that own little spin on it because it's not ripping off what's on the TV. And, yeah. and that's what I really like about the difference between something that has been adapted from comic book or TV going onto a game is that little bit of a change. And I really, I, I see exactly what you're saying, where you really would be able to make something beautiful if it was a video game or an animated uh, animated show or movie or something like that. Yeah, uh, one of the things Matt and I have sort of just kicked around is um, <clears throat> there's a point in our comic book where Earth is actually invaded by Russeltopians and it's completely overrun. Yeah. Because yeah. Russeltopians cannot be uh, hurt by like guns or knives or, you know, they, they can only wrestle them. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so we talk about, you know, while Rory is on this journey, uh, this physical journey to wrestle uh, Manifest Destiny, the yeah. Russeltopian Galactic Champion, uh, it's sort of, it's sort of like a Galactic Champion title unification battle. Uh, you know, what's going on elsewhere on the planet, you know, where people are, are trying to, uh, you know, repel this invasion of wrestlers, and there's a lot of, you know, stories you could tell. And of course, there's the whole planet WrestleTopia itself, which we, we get only a glimpse of in this comic book, so that's a whole other, you know, place to tell stories. And, that, that's a case of leave, uh, always leaving them uh, wanting more, isn't it? So if you, you don't really give it away too much, and then you, you've got something else in your pocket for another day. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Just have that tantalizing glimpse. I think we only see the plan for three pages, and that's it. And then everything else just takes place on Earth. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential there that we have yet to explore. Well, I'm, see, I'm still that little bit behind because I ha- I've got obviously the the message you guys sent me about um, uh, issue four, but health oh, okay. reasons I've been a little bit behind. Uh, constantly sleeping, thanks to medication. But um, 
you spoke of see of I keep going to say season issue five. <laughs> I actually can say proper words. Uh, you, you spoke of uh, issue five. Do you have a sort of? I know you've said before it, it depends on the artist. Do you have a sort of general idea of when that will be out? December. Are we? announcing the date yet Ed I don't uh, know yeah. no I just can't remember what it is but it's a Wednesday <laughs> it's a Wednesday in December because I you know what was funny is the fourth issue took so long the fifth one is all it was practically finished at the same time but um so we're so we're good there next month uh December Wednesday middle of the month and then the sixth issue will take a little more time it's going to be a whopper of an issue to close out the whole story so we're hoping like February-ish, and, uh, <laughs> and that, but that will complete the story arc. And I should, you know, should tell people um, we're on Comicsology, and uh, you know, the individual issues, individual issues have some really cool uh, bonus material that's exclusive to them. Yeah. So you know, um, please indulge yourself in the single issues, and then the trade itself will come out and and in print. So you can grab that too, and that'll have a little bit of exclusive. Uh, bonus material itself so can't go wrong getting the whole collection which all print. <laughs> yeah because it's always well in particular the print version like you, you can't beat having an actual something in your hands like yeah. you know i know we live in a digital age but i'm still yeah. i'm i'm the blockbuster generation like i'm going up and picking it up in my hands i like i love seeing things online but i have to have it with me but no, um, I, I completely understand the the whole collector uh, attitude to it. You've got to have it all. Yeah, yeah. And we've definitely experienced. There's something unique about the comic book medium that I, I think you don't see in sort of print publishing elsewhere. You know, it, it like people actually. I think it's because of the art mainly that people want to physically hold it in their hands. And uh, we're hoping that there's a lot of really excited, interested parties out there who are just waiting for the trade to come out. You know? So <laughs> we'll see a huge boom in sales once that actual trade is out there on, on books, you know, on bookshelves. It's funny you say uh, February for uh, issue six, because uh, what, uh, two months after that, it's WrestleCon. Hey, where's WrestleCon? of WrestleCon is this in the UK or is this in the States no it's in the States it's um, oh. uh, Wrestlemania weekend uh, oh, they usually right. have the um, like the indie places all get together and they've uh, got a variety of uh, people at tables you know in yeah. indie wrestlers indie companies um, there was right. a in there was a, a video a wrestling video game that was there when I was there in 2015 I do not remember the name of it um, but yeah there was there was a video game guy there there was um uh kazarian and uh, christopher daniels selling their comic book like you yeah. it's, it's almost it pretty much is the equivalent of um comic-con but for wrestling yeah that's everyone's got a table i just kind of you know we're also matt and i are kind of getting reacquainted with wrestling because we, we you know we don't really watch it regularly now that but, makes uh, great of us yeah <laughs> i was fascinated to find out that wrestlemania itself carries with it like this amazing week long you know uh sort of celebration of wrestling where you have a ton of indie shows and even you know 
small, you know, not so indie shows happening that weekend in the same town, and then WrestleCon, and all these amazing special appearances, and uh, uh, it was it's fascinating. Yeah, I I really want. I guess that's a maybe a, a bucket list is to, to be there. Um, and I mean that's a great idea. We'll, maybe someday we'll, we'll bring the uh, very WrestleTopia to WrestleCon and see see what's up. Where pretty much is a, a vacation spot for most people now because it's like you'll have people going for the entire week. They'll they'll turn up on um, the, the first day. You've got all the you. It's almost like you have to say no to some things because you've got multiple shows at one time. You got multiple um, conventions at one time and. It, it's literally you are spoiled for choice. It it just seems crazy. Like I, I remember this might have been the last WrestleMania or the one before that where you, you, I'm, I'm reading all the tweets coming out, yeah. and it's like you know Jerry Lawler versus Joey Ryan, and Jerry Lawler used a blowtorch to uh, you know, shoot yeah. with Dick, and then you know, and then it's like the next day there's a, a brawl between a real brawl between two wrestlers at WrestleCon, and you got into it, and it's just it just seems like chaos and craziness, and you had like Matt Hardy walking the streets of. of uh, of New Orleans in uh, the French Quarter, you know, shoes fans following, chanting behind them, and delete, delete. It, it would just seem, it seemed insane. It's funny because yeah. I was I was hanging out with a friend of mine, Mark Angel, at um, the WrestleCon Hotel in, in 2015, and you literally just like you're you you're sitting there and you're just seeing like someone you may have seen on TV 10 years ago. Look in another direction 20 years ago someone that's on tv now over there it's just like it, it's really it's almost awe-inspiring because you sit and then you're like is, is this real you're just seeing all these people from tv walking around it sounds awesome it's uh maybe you know maybe we can if we can again get some uh, animated show you know, greenlit and get some money and we can go for wrestlemania that's gonna be the first thing to do yeah, that's that's on the uh, bucket on the the tick list. Okay, uh, great greener. Okay, now I can go to WrestleMania. I just want some of the wrestlers that sort of inspired our characters like, to actually meet them and maybe give them. You know, <laughs> I, I, I know I heard Superstar is actually suffering. I think from Alzheimer's, um, but I, I would still love to meet him because he was such an inspiration for the character of Rory. And then of course, um, I don't know who else is still alive that, that we should. Adrian Street was an inspiration for Adrian Polaris. <laughs> He's still um, kicking <laughs> Well, Ric Flair, I want to meet Ric Flair before the devil catches up to him. And, uh, and you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that I would still love to meet that are still, still around and kicking. Um, but Ric Flair is probably my number one. I could meet, get, get an autograph and shake it in his hand. Maybe the nature boy. I think he's still on my list. I I, uh, I think he was at the WrestleCon I was at, but there was literally someone outside the door calling people over, trying to get them to go in. So it was like, you know, you shouldn't have to be calling people into Ric Flair's lines. I was like, no, I'll, I'll just go over here to this line. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it almost feels like you know you you've got so much that you've um, that you've got behind you, so much that you got now, and then you got so much ahead that like you you just you just got to keep moving forward and let it all go go as it happens. Yeah, um, uh, it, it, it's been a really long time since I've been to any 
wrestling show at all. But uh, yeah, working on this comic has sort of reignited my my love for it. And I think what I'm what I drift to is you know I mean. I, WWE and everything, it, it seems great and glad it makes so many people happy but um, I've started you know, following a lot of these indie wrestlers and, and uh, um, Joey Ryan I think is hilarious and, and Orange Cassidy <laughs> it seems just I, I, like the, I like the goofy stuff I have to admit, I, don't, I know that's not everyone's cup of tea but uh, uh, have you seen the guy that's um, he's uh, uh, the Michael Jackson impersonator? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember his name, but he he literally he, um, he he does everything of Michael Jackson, but incorporates it into a wrestling match. It's actually it's, it's the silliest uh, thing I've ever seen, but it's also the greatest thing I've ever seen. And oh, I said yeah. that if, if I ever decide that right, I'm going to fund a wrestling company, my two main people are going to be him and uh, Black Machismo Jay Lethal uh, as obviously as Randy Savage because just the, the silliness of those two characters is just brilliant and it's not Mike Saxon I don't know if you remember in the mid 80s the WWF had a jobber who dressed up as Michael Jackson called Mike Saxon and I, I think he might have turned up like two or three times actually on TV <laughs> but I'm assuming it's someone different because this guy would be probably in his early 60s Santana Jackson, that was uh, just the name. Um, the name escaped me, but he, um, he, his actual job is a Michael Jackson impersonator. So it's, it's, yeah. Also, uh, what is his finishing move? Is it like moonwalk on your moonwalk DDT? Uh, oh, really? the, the video, yeah, the video actually went viral a while back. Um, I, I, I don't know where the show was. I think it was somewhere in Las Vegas, uh, where. You know, he was doing all the Michael Jackson stuff, and then suddenly does the moonwalk DDT. But yeah, it, it really is—it um, really is one of those silly things, like a Joey Ryan or an Orange Cassidy, that you have to see. Jay Lethal's Ric Flair is pretty on point too. Like he, I yeah. I, I I feel bad saying this, but like I, I really wish that Jay Lethal would just be someone else for the rest of his career whether it's Rick Flair <laughs> or, or Macho Man Randy Savage or even someone else because the guy's clearly a great impersonator and yeah. he really is not an impersonator gimmick going at the moment and those are always brilliant so no, that's it's uh, Eugene <laughs> who, who is the phone god oh. does Eugene count as an impersonator or did he just we're just saying he borrowed yeah, he borrowed a few things yeah, yeah. I mean I um uh, I'm not familiar with Jay Lethal, but uh, is it is it that like he has split personalities and he wakes up and he like thinks that he's Randy Savage for real and he wrestles as Randy Savage all day? Well, oh, no, for a, for a while he um, they were doing a thing in in TNA where they were like, uh, oh yeah, you know, um, to get to the next level, you know, you, you got to change your character, I guess, and um, you know suddenly he starts coming out dressed like Randy Savage, doing the whole thing <laughs> as an impersonator. And then a couple of years ago, to bring it back, they um, they had a thing where he started getting tapped on the shoulder, and, and suddenly he changes to, to Macho Man. <laughs> that was uh, that was really something. I think that was at the All Out or All In or whichever the first AEW thing was. Oh wow! Okay. Oh man, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> we're, in, we're in such an age now where it's it's like it's not not you're not missing one or two shows. Like you, you've got 
everything out there that if you don't see things now, it's like you, you have missed something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, there's yeah there's so much content out there. It's impossible to keep up with. I I've been really interested because it's, it's it's never been available until the last few years on a regular basis. You know about you know, I've been really interested in you know New Japan and what they do, um, but I just can't keep up with the content stream. Because it's not just wrestling I have to keep up with. I have to keep up with what's going on in video games. And of course, I have to continue to feed the streaming TV content beast. It's just endless. And you're really, like, I don't watch sports anymore. And it's strictly because that's, you know, it's just three-hour investment, right? And in those three hours, I could play whatever the new video game I'm supposed to play in order to stay relevant in my industry is, or watch whatever the latest TV show so I can, you know, have uh, dinner conversations with people. <laughs> like a normal person. There's just too much out there to catch up with everything. It's just, it's not just wrestling, it's not just video games, it's life. Like, there's just too yeah. much out there. It makes you stay in a little bubble. Well, I mean, you know, the life stuff, who cares, right? You gotta know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, people, people, you know, there's a door, you stay outside the door and, you know, was have fun in here, playing games, watching stuff. I mean, I, I try to multitask. I mean, if I could do a podcast while uh, playing a game, while watching something on my phone, I nice. would, but I can barely single task. I mean, I, I've, uh, for someone who doesn't um, wrestle, I have a lot of head trauma. So uh, I've yeah. written I've written half a chapter of my new novel while we were talking just now. So <laughs> that's 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 <laughs> skill. That's skill. While while we were talking here, I was yeah, talking. No, that's all, that's all I can do at once. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, I think your next venture should be into comedy though. Uh, well, we hope we, we you know for us obviously. It's a silly concept, Wrestletopia. Yeah. Uh, Matt and I love to do comedy. It's kind of our first, I don't know, our, our first love, and, and it's what we enjoy doing. And people have been, the response has been really great. People have really responded to the humor. So, uh, um, another thing that we hear from a lot of people is that it's, it's a really fun book. Uh, it really is. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it is a, a book that, um, We'll take your mind off things and hope you uh, give you a good laugh here and there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, we like we like to do we like to do comedy and even in video games, we've been really fortunate. To, we worked on a lot of games together that are very silly and very goofy and, uh, and absurd. And um, yeah, Leisure Suit Larry was the first thing we ever did as a writing team. So. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw when I saw that when I was when I was looking you guys up when I saw that I started laughing. I was like, hey, you know these, these guys, they know, they know. Yeah, and even the film we did work on one film you mentioned earlier called the Lumberjack Man, and it, it's a horror film, but it's a comedy horror. It's it's uh, it's got a a really fun, ridiculous in a good way premise yeah. uh, about an undead lumberjack who comes back from the grave to avenge the theft of his pancake recipe. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a really, really fun, fun comedy horror film. Yeah. Michael Madsen. Yeah. yeah. Michael was... Madsen in a role that was meant for a British actor. So all the dialogue <laughs> specifically We wanted like a Donald Pleasance type. Uh, and we thought like, who, David Warner, I think, who's, <laughs> yeah. 
And so it's just, it's hilarious because Madsen is reading all this dialogue that was specifically written for a British character actor. <laughs> oh, so, delivering it with a Chicago accent. <laughs> oh, that's kind of like, um, oh, uh, I, I don't know the actor's name, but um, I, I don't know if you guys watch uh, Titans on uh, the, the DC Universe. Um, I, yeah, I think I, I did watch several episodes. Yeah. I watched the whole season. Well, the guy they cast as Bruce Wayne in, in season two uh, is, he, he was the bad guy in the Resident Evil movies um, who, who had the British accent. Now it's, it's really hard to take him seriously because um, you're listening to him and he's trying to do an American accent when he's clearly British and it's, it's just uh, one of those mix and it just it, it doesn't sound right. Like I, yeah. I I don't mean that to offend anyone with mixed accents, but it just doesn't sound right with the British and the American. I think that us Americans are really easily fooled by British actors pretending to be like. I'll, I'll bet you the average American watching that was like, "Oh, it sounds, it sounds like Batman," I, or, or like, or we would be surprised. Unless it's Jude Law. Jude, <laughs> Jude Law is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the American accent I've ever heard. Yeah. Like I didn't know. Uh, God, who was it? Who played Spider-Man? Was it Andrew Garfield? Is he? Yes. Is he? I had no clue. Like, he is, you know, and so is the uh, the newest uh, the newest one, um, Tom um, Tom Holland. He's British. That's right. Well. That's right. It's like all of a sudden you see them on some talk show and they're they're speaking British accent. You're like what? <laughs> or they're Aussie. Spider-Man. One or the other, typically. Oh, we, we get confused for Australian a lot. I tell you the amount of, of stores I went into when I was in uh, I was in New Jersey last year and you know I was walking around. Oh, you know, what part of Australia are you from? It's lucky I'm half Australian, so like I, I didn't take offense to that, but it's like why are you calling me Australian when I'm clearly not? Yeah, my uh, my 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 father in law is Australian and we ended up so we go to Australia about once a year, once every other year. And what's funny is if, if you go to like a small enough town in Australia and you have an American accent, they think you're British. They cannot tell the difference. Now, if you're in like Sydney or Melbourne, yeah. you know, they, they're, they're aware enough to know like, oh, that's an American or Canadian accent. They maybe can't pick those two apart. But when we were going to some of these smaller towns, they, they, they thought we were, from, we, were, we were from the UK. That yeah, just shows how unconnected all of us are. Sorry to cut you off. That just shows you how unconnected we all are. Like, we just can't tell any of us apart. Uh, yeah, well, and then, you know, to bring it back to wrestling, like, when we hear, here in the States, when we would hear, like, Lord Alfred Hayes or Stephen Regal, and we hear that, you know, when we're kids and we hear the English accent, we're like, oh, he must be from some really wealthy royal family. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, like, you know, Lord Alfred Hayes, right? And then uh, probably the reality is that, like, if you hear his accent, you recognize this, like, working class sort of, yeah. like, you know, twang, like, you know, and we're, we're here thinking that he's very smart. So this, not that he's not smart, but we're, we're here, we're listening to this English accent thinking he must be this blue blood, you know, wealthy <laughs> British lord, right? <laughs> it, it's just, we have no, we have, we don't have uh, a good ear for accents in the States, uh, unless you're oh. from the South and so. I've been to plenty of places I know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this this has been a, a fun little hour for, between us, and uh, we, we've got to a lot of things. Um, 
If uh, you wanted people to buy any of these books, uh, to follow you guys uh, on social media, websites, the floor belongs to the two of you right now. So buy us for the time being on Comixology. Um, that's where our individual digital issues are available. Uh, on Twitter, we are SBP underscore comics. Online at suspiciousbehaviorproductions.com, which is a hell of a long URL. <laughs> so you might just want to type in suspicious behavior on Google. Uh, we're on Tumblr uh, at suspicious behavior productions again, I believe. And we're also on Facebook. We're everywhere. We're even on Instagram. Even on Instagram. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. So well, don't expect a ton, we don't post a ton of content on Instagram or Facebook, but um, we're very active on Twitter, we're very active on Tumblr for the proud few who still use Tumblr. I mean, uh, Twitter is all you really need, isn't it, at these yeah. days? I mean, yeah. everyone's a Twitter guy. And Matt runs our Tumblr page, does a great job, but I see these emails from Tumblr where it's like every time Matt post a uh, a photo of a wrestler it gets flagged <laughs> you know yeah. to, like, he has to query you know he has to protest and then and of course it gets finally gets approved but their algorithm can't you know tell porn from wrestling real good yet so yeah. it's, there's a lot of exposed flesh in wrestling so <laughs> i understand why their algorithm gets tripped up but yeah i end up having to protest on tumblr that what i'm posting is in fact good clean wrestling action and not you know hardcore full penetration pornography <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell i'll tell a really quick story though about if we have time about yeah that. you go all the time in the world you, you uh, so i i i mean i i said i didn't follow wrestling which is true but i i for years i would buy the smackdown games and play them because they were really fun and i remember my sister was visiting from out of town and i was playing uh playing one of the games and i was playing roddy piper you know it was a classic character unlocked and and I think it was wrestling Batista. And my sister, you know, she's just, she's trying to poke me, you know, she's my little sister. And she's like, my God, she's like, this wrestling stuff, it's very homoerotic. And I was just annoyed. And I looked at her and I'm like, it, it's, it's wrestling. It is not, you know, it is not homoerotic. It's not sexual, it's just wrestling. Literally at that moment, I just did a random button combo where Piper put Batista over his knee and spanked him. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> at that exact moment so I looked and then I looked at her and said okay maybe it's a little fun <laughs> but I, don't, I can't blame Tumblr too much I no, that, I think that's the uh, that's the, the family bullying that anyone uh, <laughs> any wrestling fan can uh, can attest to because uh, yeah, when you've got three brothers like I do, uh, you get used as a tackle dummy uh, to say, hey, I saw this move on TV. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and that might have been where my head trauma started. But who really knows? Pile drive you too many times. Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that, but I, I don't uh, remember. <laughs> me and my brother did a lot of reenactments on, uh, you know, on my parents, using my parents' bed as the ring. And... Uh, yeah, there was a lot. We did a lot of damage to each other. He's three years younger, but he's bigger than me, so we were pretty equally matched. I mean, you know, three years younger, he could knock those three years off of you, and then you, you'll be yeah. about even playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
but yeah um it, it's been fun guys i appreciate you coming on and um you know so if there's, there's any time that we need to do this again if you want to come back um as long as I'm on an on season, because I do this in seasons, I'm lazy like that. Um, to, um, yeah, hopefully when we either finish this, maybe when we finish the six issue or, or possibly even come out with a trade, you know, maybe we can come back and, and, uh, and have some more, some more interesting you know, news to share about, about our Zootopia and, and everything else. Give you an update on our, you know, high wheeling Hollywood lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I expect you both to have expensive cars by then, you know, um, a, a Hollywood villa, uh, uh, another pool. I, I expect you to have a lot more than you're pretty good. Yeah. It's been fun and I appreciate you both. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. Thanks very much.